What up, world? Surpass first point guard and Trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every single day. Start each and every weekday with Locked On Blazers, then tell your friends to do the same Fun show for you today. This is Monday, July 4th episode uh, for my loyalist listeners coming out a little bit late because I was not home, but I'm back home and I'm back in the studio. So you got, we got an episode coming in super hot on this holiday Monday here in the United States. Listen, I I recorded a emergency episode on Friday or a bonus episode, not really an emergency, not an emergency for me or you or the Trailblazers. A bonus episode on Friday because the Blazers had uh, agreed to a deal with Gary Payton overnight. They'd agreed to a deal with Yusuf Nurkic that morning. They'd they'd kind of looking like they were filling out the the squad, filled out the filled out the group a little bit. Uh, then shortly after, maybe thirty five minutes after I finished recording on on Friday afternoon West Coast time, Rudy Gobert got tra- traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves or agreed to be traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves in a trade that shifts the power of in the West a great deal. Maybe not at the top, but certainly in the middle. Uh, you know, two teams in the middle probably swap places in terms of immediate talent. Minnesota and Utah swap places. But it suggests like larger, bigger changes maybe across the entire league could be coming. And that's what I want to talk about in today's show. The Gobert trade and its impacts on the Blazers and also just sort of the larger seismic shifts that are still out there and how the Blazers could get involved and how it impacts them moving forward. Because I think the Blazers could, could be done, like they could be done roster building. Um, It's like they're full right now. They have 15 players with Eric Bledsoe on the roster, but Bledsoe is not going to be on the team in the fall. So they're either going to have 14, which I seems, seems relatively likely, or they're going to be involved in a larger trade, get involved in a larger trade. The financials of which are a little bit dicey because of, of a little bit trickier than they were a couple weeks ago. But regardless, they could, they could, they could make some, do some gymnastics to make it happen. But it, it's, if they are done, like the West got better around them and I'm not sure they got better enough to keep up. If they aren't done, the seismic, and I think there's a good chance they aren't done, at least in some minor way, the the seismic shifts coming around the league, the big, and I'm by, I'm using seismic, like big, big changes, stars changing teams, um, you know, teams going from really good to not so good, teams trying to go from good to great, all of those, all of those moves, you know, if, if when Kevin Durant changes teams, it's seismic, it is a massive shift in the landscape of the league. And I want to talk about how and what ways those impact the Blazers moving forward. Let's start in Minnesota and Utah, where Danny Ainge takes control of the Utah Jazz. Now, why would he do that? Shout out to Brian Windhorst, who became a star last week in the in the in the internet space for his incredible cadence and really good reporting. Now, why would he do that? But that was the big trade That's that kicked off all of this was Rudy Gobert going to Minnesota for uh, a whole boatload of unprotected picks for Pat Bev, for Malik Beasley, uh, for Jared Vanderbilt. Like the Jazz, you know, get some okay role players back, but mostly they get unprotected picks, a barrel full of unprotected picks, including this year's first round pick, Walker Kessler. Uh, and Minnesota goes for it, right? Like go for it. They say, 
we're going to be a little bit weirder than some teams because we're going to be gigantic. Um, being big helps. Being big, you can still be big. I think more teams want to be medium. It's like it's not small ball; it's the medium ball push. More teams want to be. Everyone is six foot eight. You know, six six to six nine. Uh, the the T Wolves are going the other way. They're really big. Um, even D'Angelo Russell, who's not like a big person, has at least has long arms. He fits he fits the plan. Um, even if he's not like super strong and, and big or anything, but they're big. Like. Anthony Edwards, Jane McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert up front is is large. They added Kyle Anderson in the offseason. He's like weirdly big for whatever position uh, you think he plays. Uh, they, my initial reaction to this trade is that the T-Wolves jumped up from a low-level play-in team, and I think they'd be probably back there again if they just ran it back because they got a young core that's improving, um, and, and Carl Anthony Towns kind of found a stride, and Anthony Edwards might be a star. Um, you know, it's a borderline all-star this year for sure. Uh, it, like, they went from a team that's like, oh, this is like a fun, intriguing play-in team that you don't want to play because they're pretty good to a team that could get home court advantage in the West. I do not think Minnesota bumped themselves up to the championship tier. I don't think... Um, you know, I don't think Rudy Gobert checks that box anymore, but you know, he does check the box is like elite regular season team, elite defense. Um, I think they can push themselves in a really fun direction in the regular season. We'll see what happens when they get to postseason basketball. Um, increasingly guys like Rudy Gobert who can't punish switches and can beat beaten by teams who can space you out. Um, not even go small, just like go to space you out. Um, it's, it, it, we'll see what happens. Like, I think, I think that's still a relatively large question mark in the Rudy Gobert resume. But in terms of like being a dominant regular season team, Gobert has raised the floor of some pretty mediocre defensive rosters. And I think he has a better defensive roster in Minnesota now than he did in, in Utah last year. And they were like, kind of had a down year and they were a top 10 defense. So like, I think Minnesota takes a jump up from, you know, the seventh best team in the West to something, potentially something higher than that. The West can be so damn crowded that like you might be the fourth best team in the West, the third last game of the season, and then you end up seventh. I think Minnesota takes a jump up. And I think importantly, Utah didn't get back stars. They got back pretty good role players. Um, I'm not a big Pat Bev guy. I think he's one of the most overrated players in the league, but he's been a pretty consistent pest pesky defender um he's he he gets after it on that end um even if i don't care for his personal style jared vanderbilt's a fun player but a, like a weird undersized five malik beasley's a very competent wing but competency is probably what he maxes out at is like highly competent shooter uh utah got worse and importantly Utah maybe set themselves up to tear this whole thing down. According to reports uh, from Mark, specifically from Mark Stein on his uh, newsletter, uh, you can find it. You can find it on Substack. Is that the, Utah has been sending out the message that they are resistant to trading Donovan Mitchell. But when you trade for four unprotected picks and you don't get a star back with your All Star, even if you're hosting the All Star game, even if you're hosting the All Star game in Salt Lake City and you desperately want to have a representative, if the right package comes. You might tear it down. So I think Utah, one of those teams that did have home court advantage, one of the good, you know, one of the good teams in the West last year, and and certainly over the last three years, one of the very very good regular season teams who's kind of flamed out in the playoffs and needed this change of pace for sure to be certain. They took a step back. Minnesota takes a step forward. Utah takes a step back. Portland still probably sits, you know, probably above Utah's overall talent level right now. But we'll see. I, w- I would I would say Portland's better than on paper right now than the current Jazz team for sure. For my money, like better, uh, but worse on paper than the Minnesota team that's just going to be gigantic and really big, and the Blazers are specifically not big. (laughs) Uh, Intentionally so, but maybe not smartly so. But that's not the only seismic shift happening. 
that trade, the Gobert trade, and the potential that Donovan Mitchell could be on the move sends ripples throughout the damn league about what could be next. So let's talk about what could be next and how that impacts the Blazers now that we've kind of looked at the big trades that impact them in the West. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online, the place where you can become an expert, an expert better, an informed and smarter better. You go to betonline.net right now, you'll get to sign up for a free account, you'll get to read insider articles and tips and all of the info you need to become a more informed better so they can help you win and they can help you win on everything with more lines more props more odds than they've ever had before on everything you can bet on the nba offseason every single day you, you can bet on mlb you can bet on the mls you can bet on the nwsl you can bet on whatever you're looking for combat sports golf tennis you're going to find it so go don't wait go to betonline.net today that's bet online where the game starts all right. So Rudy Gobert's on the move. Minnesota got better in the near term, but probably took a risk that will look a little bit dicey when we get into 2025 and 2027. But certainly they got better and the Jazz got worse. And the Jazz got worse perhaps intentionally because perhaps Danny Ainge... Now why would he do that? Perhaps Danny Ainge is tearing this thing down. And tearing it down might be because the larger shifts in the whole league could be involving the Utah Jazz. Remember that guy, Kevin Durant? I think in the 2020 or 2019-2020 season, he was, you know, considered one of the best players in the league. Or excuse me, the 2020-2021 the 20, 20, 20, season. I'm getting my years confused because of the because the bubble got me all lined up. Two seasons ago, he was considered the best player in the league. At worst, he's like the fifth best player in the NBA right now. That dude wants out of Brooklyn. He wants a new job somewhere else. He wants the same job in a new city, to be clear. <laughs> he doesn't want a new job. He wants the same job. He wants the same job in a new city. He wants out. And it looks like the Brooklyn Nets are going to acquiesce him to some extent. Trade him where he wants to go because it's maybe untenable. That means that they also might trade Kyrie Irving. It seems like the Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook swap has legs and will maybe eventually be consummated to some form or fashion. But it's trickier than that, y'all. Because the Brooklyn Nets owe all of their draft picks to the Houston Rockets. They can't really be bad. They don't like their, them, their starting over, tearing it down starting over doesn't work for them. They don't own any of their draft picks. If they're bad, they're just gifting the Rockets powers. Great. It has been a great couple weeks for the Houston Rockets. Just um, them gambling on Brooklyn imploding. Worked, y'all. <laughs> Congratulations to uh, Rafael Stone and company down there in Houston. That gamble certainly paid off pretty quickly. Also, I kind of think um, every 10 years trading with the Brooklyn Nets to add a super team together, get in on that deal because it gets messy in a hurry. See the the rise of the Celtics over the last decade and maybe the, the rise of the Rockets over this next decade fueled by the Brooklyn Nets. Hubris? Is that, is that what this is? Um, silliness? Something. Lack of foresight? <laughs> uh, risk profile? I don't exactly know what it is. But in general, the the the... The Kevin Durant stuff hangs over the league because it's going to affect everywhere. In fact, uh, if if Brooklyn's going to tear it down, there's been some reporting that they would be after Donovan Mitchell. 
but they can't trade for Donovan Mitchell due to some CBA rules that doesn't allow for the, them to acquire Donovan Mitchell via trade when they've already had Ben Simmons on the roster acquired via trade. So that means if they want to trade for Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons could be on the move. That means Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Russell Westbrook, potentially DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Phoenix could all be on the move. That's seismic shifts that change the league. I mean, you're like, you're like, yeah, no, I know, I know. I'm listening to a Blazer podcast in July. I know what's happening. I think this is important for the Blazers for, for a couple reasons. One, the could drastically change who's really good in the in the West. Like if Kevin Durant ends up in Phoenix and not Miami, Phoenix, the best team in the West last year, is right back there in the best team in the West. They might lose a whole bunch of depth and some of their superpowers may be zapped a little bit. But, you know, you put Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and potentially Chris Paul on the same team, I am going to wager that they will be at least, at, at a minimum, very good. Um, you know, maybe not championship win a championship because it's hard to do that over the course of a long season, particularly with a bunch of, you know, a couple 30 year olds in the roster, 30, 33 plus year olds in the roster. But sure. Like in the championship conversation, a very, very, very good basketball team. If Kevin Durant goes elsewhere, Phoenix has a weird situation with whatever they do with DeAndre Ayton. He doesn't seem like he's coming back to Phoenix because he already would have. They're holding him out for these seismic shifts, right? If the Lakers flip Russell Westbrook to Kyrie Irving as as mercurial and bizarre as Kyrie Irving is, he is a better basketball player than Russell Westbrook. They're going to get better. Wherever Russell Westbrook goes, they're going to get more triple doubly. Um, and I congratulate them for that. Uh, if if Donovan Mitchell is included in this trade, Utah is going to be straight up bad on purpose, which sometimes is the right move. Many of you kind of want the Blazers to take that route. And Utah might load up with something like, you know, nine draft picks over the next five seasons and um, a whole bunch of cap space that they won't use because the team is located in Salt Lake City, Utah. But uh, it's like you, you know, uh, Utah would go from one of the teams that's been at the top of the West, you know, home court advantage team in the West, totally the hell out of it if they lose, even if they trade for someone who's like, you know, if they were to swap something like Ben Simmons for Donovan Mitchell, Simmons alone is not the tier of like, floor raiser. He's a really good number two, uh, but he's a second option because he doesn't shoot the ball and doesn't play basketball super often. Confusing player. He doesn't need to catch a stray, but talented nonetheless, but doesn't doesn't really raise that floor a whole bunch. Depending on where DeAndre Ayton goes, depending on all of that shifts. And more importantly, the Blazers appear to be holding out their biggest trade of the summer to allow themselves to, if it comes to it, get involved in the shifts. The Blazers had, uh, I'm going to call back to a couple episodes real quick. I did an episode prior to the draft that said the Blazers, like two days before the draft, the Blazers have to trade the number seven overall pick. And that wasn't because I thought they should. In fact, I thought they should just draft a player and go for it. But if they were going to say, hey, we're going, we want to be a playoff team, we want to be good, their best ammunition to get better was trading the seventh overall pick. Like if they're, my whole reasoning was that if they're going to follow their plan or their stated goal, they kind of have to trade that because they have to get better. They chose not to do that. And that they, that's why they haven't added as much like immediate win now talent because they, they took a gamble on Shaden Sharp. For, again, cool, but it doesn't fit what they've been saying, right? Then they made, but prior to the draft, they had made this trade for Jeremy Grant. And it was like the two things they had to trade were number seven, which they chose not to trade. And this large traded player exception, which they're going to use to acquire Jeremy Grant. 
Those were their two avenues to get better. They don't have a lot of other straight across talent to trade because their intriguing young players were either entering free agency like uh, uh, Anthony Simons or weren't making enough money like Nazir Little. Like you just can't, like it just doesn't have the salary slot and the upside to like bring back some real value. So you're going to have to piece some stuff together. That's why Seven was going to help you piece some stuff together. They chose not to do that. But they still have this Jeremy Grant trade open, and that is their largest. That is their largest path to get better is expanding that Jeremy Grant trade and potentially expanding that Jeremy Grant trade in a larger multi-team deal that includes one of these gentlemen who's going to be on the move, if not several of them. You know who's also open to that? The Detroit Pistons. That's why the trade hasn't gone through. They're keeping it open because there's, you know, they've agreed to the to the to the sort of basics of the deal, right? Like that's. The parameters are agreed upon, but the Pistons set themselves up to be a team that can absorb bad salary in order to take on some sweeteners. That's their whole sort of path. The, you know, since then, they've also agreed to get uh, Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, who are either going to help the Pistons in their quest to be um, not particularly good, but competent, or also be moved either now or in the future. Uh, they've got they've got themselves at some at one point they've used some of it uh, with signings, but had the most cap space of any team in the league. Like the Pistons are totally open to keeping the trade open because they could absorb more stuff and get more get more sweeteners for their troubles. And the Blazers' best best path to getting better because they didn't trade seven and because they didn't sign and trade Nurk and they didn't sign and trade Ants is expanding this larger trade some way, somehow. Now, there's some cap gymnastics they're going to have to do because they use the mid-level exception and they're going to be up against the apron, which is like a $157 million of total salary. And we'll, we'll get to the sort of math stuff when things shake out and we see the final final deals and final final numbers on what Ant and Nurk's stuff looks like. We can talk like specifics of the CBA. But for now, just in general, it looks like the Blazers are setting themselves up to wait on these big seismic shifts, to wait on what happens with Durant, to wait on what happens in Utah with Donovan Mitchell, to wait on what happens with Phoenix with those gentlemen, to wait on what happens in LA with, with Russell Westbrook, and not to receive any of the big names, to be sure, but to facilitate something else by keeping this trade open. Maybe they can include Eric Bledsoe in it. Maybe they can include, you know, Justice Winslow in it. Maybe they can, you know, maybe they can include some back half of the roster guys like Dede Luzad or Keon Johnson or Greg Brown to get involved in a larger trade that allows them to continue to upgrade the roster. Portland is in no rush to consummate that deal. Detroit is in no rush to consummate that deal. The rest of the league, at least according to reporting from Mark Stein, is kind of just waiting on what happens with Kevin Durant because after that might happen, there might be a scramble to add more players because somebody got good, somebody lost some players, and you need to add rotation level free agents either via either via either add rotation level players either via free agency or via. Um, via trades. I've now used via and via both in this uh, podcast. So it shows you how consistent I am with that word. Uh, like you gotta, teams will have, to, everyone in the league will be impacted by what happens with the biggest trades with Kyrie and with, with Kevin Durant and with DeAndre Ayton and with potentially Ben Simmons and potentially Donovan Mitchell. Everybody will, everybody will because of the, the, the shift of power and Portland is holding itself out to be involved if necessary, or because there's no rush to, they can just Bring Jeremy Grant in and give him a physical in a couple a couple weeks. Whenever the trade goes through, ten you know next week, right? Like they can wait till ne- this coming Friday. And hey, it didn't work. 
Kevin Durant went elsewhere. Press press go on the trade. Submit it to the league office. We can get there. Like it's they have a they're being patient and they're watching the league because the whole damn league is watching what happens with these massive shifts. And as Brian Windhorst first went on ESPN and kind of sagely predicted what's happening in Utah. This is going to be the big shift. Phoenix and Brooklyn have to watch what's happening in Utah. Shortly thereafter, Utah traded four picks and they have shifted shifted what is open for the rest of the league. I was going to say balance of power, but I know this is balance of power. They've shifted balance of talent a little bit in the middle of the Western Conference, and they have created a new landing spot and a new trade potential for both a star player like Donovan Mitchell and a whole boatload of draft picks like they just received from, or agreed to receive from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, why would they do that? Shout out to Wendy, who gave us a great meme, gave me a new phrase. Now, why would they do that? That I'm going to just constantly be using on this podcast. And also pointed us in the direction of like, big changes are coming in the league and it's Portland, among every other group, has to pay attention to see how they can get involved or how they'll have to react once that trade goes through. I'm looking at the Blazers roster and they got to get bigger, regardless of what they do. Let's talk about that to close the show. But first... Let me tell you about rockauto.com, the family business, specializing helping do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, two decades of experience helping you save time and money, real time, because uh, chain auto parts stores and and, uh, and dealerships just, you know, they, they, they can't carry everything you need and they just, they can't do the volume that a, a, a company born online can handle and Rock Auto specializes in saving you money. Compared to the uh, chain auto parts stores and your uh, car dealerships, you're talking 30, 50, or even 100% savings when you shop at rockauto.com. So head on over to their website right now. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck. And make sure you write locked on there. How did you hear about us box while you're there? So that way they know we send you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the shifts coming in the league and why the Blazers are keeping the Jeremy Grant trade open, keeping all that stuff open, because on July 6th, contracts will go official. Uh, There's some order of operations stuff that mattered across the league for who you sign when, what you do when to make... Um, to, to get your to make the the trades legal, the transactions legal, and all those things. All of the stuff signed over this week are just agreements, and then teams got to go through the important order of operations to preserve their cap space, make things legal, get the trades in when you know when when it matters. Like that stuff matters, and so the league and the Blazers, maybe specifically, will be patient with that stuff. But regardless of their patience, this team has to get a little bit bigger. I mentioned I was going to do callbacks to some previous episodes and the callback to this one real quick. I did an ideal off season. Uh, that was last Wednesday show came out Thursday morning, June 30th. It's called the ideal off season, a plan for Portland's summer. You know what I did in that ideal off season? I added three centers to the roster. I am of the belief the Blazers need to get bigger. Yusuf Nurkic, Isaiah Arnstein, Damian Jones were all part of my ideal offseason. I truly believe Portland needs to get bigger, like straight up. The forward class on the market is relatively weak. So like for me, adding centers was the path. One, because Yusuf Nurkic, even if he's fully healthy, is like a 30-minute-a-night guy max, 28 to 30-minute-a-night guy max. You need 20 other minutes of center. Two, uh, Nurkic has had some health issues. I think you need to sort of um, 
know that durability has been an issue for him and whether he's sitting out for injury or to rest, you need competent backup centers. Uh, I like Drew Eubanks. I think he's a really fun story. It's incredibly cool that the Shack of Troutdale is back in Portland on a full-time deal. I just don't think he's like a quality backup center in the league. Um, I am happy to be wrong about that. And when Drew Eubanks proves me wrong, I will eat crow. Uh, probably not on mic or on the on the thing, but I will admit, like I'm, I'm, if you listen to the podcast a long time, I am very comfortable admitting when I'm wrong about stuff. Um, I'm not really a hot take guy. I try to logic it out. And when my logic fails, I admit it. But right now, am I sitting here with the logic? I don't think Drew Eubanks is a good enough backup center to make this team particularly competitive. And nothing, if nothing else, they are too small. Unless Greg Brown takes a big leap this year and is a really solid NBA rotation player, which I did not see at the end of last season, they're too small. Justice Winslow and Nazir Little are fun and versatile defenders. They're both under six foot seven. Um, Nas is big. Like Nas is, is a big six five. I think we get obsessed with l- wingspan this time of year. But the most important thing you can be is strong. And Nas is strong at his size. Like strength, more important than um, like more just like overall strength is probably the defining characteristic of where you can play on the on the sort of wing guard forward spectrum more so than wingspan which i think people are obsessed with thanks to i don't know combine measurements i don't know strength is the thing arm length cool norman powell had long arms cool um one not that good of a defensive player to begin with his skills get in a bucket and two just wasn't strong enough to play up several spots and the blazers needed him play up play up several spots And, and norm pretty strong dude like you it's it's tough um it's tough Justice Winslow's strong as hell. Maybe his divining characteristic is like versatility and strength, but he's still 6'6". Like he can guard apex wings. Like he can guard LeBron a little bit. You can stick him on LeBron. He's not like an elite stopper, but he's okay at that spot. But then as you get up, just rebounding on the glass and being big, the Blazers need to get bigger. Need to get bigger. What the Blazers need to do is get bigger. Um, I've been thinking it since I sort of put together my plan for them. They bailed on that plan. I understand what they're doing. The Gary Payton uh, signing, they were linked to Gary Payton and then they signed him the next day. It was like a 12-hour period. I did two separate podcasts discussing it. I get it. Like, I really like Gary Payton as a player, to be clear. I And I get what they're doing. They're going for defensive versatility, for switchability, for all of those things. And Gary Payton plays way bigger than six foot three. But it doesn't make him six foot ten. It doesn't make him six foot ten. It may make, oh, this dude plays like he's six nine. But... Wouldn't you rather have a dude who's 6'9 and plays like he's 10 feet tall? Like, the Blazers need plus length. It's always been, it was like the stated goal of of Joe Cronin at one point where he said, we need to get bigger. He hasn't really delivered on that promise. They need to get bigger. Whatever they do with the 15th roster spot, whether they find a trade for Eric Bledsoe, which is increasingly unlikely based on their financial situation and also Bledsoe's trade value, or they just eat the money. They, you know, Bledsoe's contract is three and a half million dollars guaranteed this year. They can stretch it over three seasons. It'll be about a one and a half million, 1.3 million cap hit, whatever. We don't need to get too much in the weeds on that, but they will have an empty roster spot. If they do nothing else, they'll have an empty roster spot. They need to add size. If they go into the season with 14 players, Boo. 
straight up boo. Um, they need to add size. They need to get bigger. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I kind of think the roster is less talented. I said this on a previous episode. I'll say it again here. Less talented than last season in terms of just overall talent level, but makes a little more sense because Jeremy Grant is just like makes more sense. And GP like is that point of attack defender that they've needed. And Nas and Justice Winslow kind of fit a certain archetype of a versatile defender. And Josh Hart is both a, a another ball handler that they desperately need because they don't have a lot of dudes who can dribble and like a versatile defender, downhill guy, all of those things like kind of um, adds a similar package to what Norman Powell did with better ball handling and way better passing ability. Like he's, it's, it's their, their, their group makes a little bit of sense, but it's like a six, seven and under club. They can go small. They have the ability to go small. Play Trenton Watford and, Ger- and Jeremy Grant at the five. And like looking at the roster, it's like I said, like I kind of get what they're doing in terms of like that seems to be the plan. That seems to be the the look. And like I can understand the logic and disagree with it. And that's where I'm at. I just, they need to get bigger. So whatever they do over this week, whatever they do, if they're able to expand the Jeremy Grant trade and upgrade the roster, or if they aren't able to, and they just have to kind of take it because they already got an okay, a pretty darn good deal in that trade, or at least a reasonable deal in that trade and just move forward. And Jeremy Grant's a really nice acquisition. They got to get bigger. They got to get bigger. They got to get bigger. I'll say it one more time. They got to get bigger. That's going to do it for today's show. Guess what? We got more shows coming the rest of the week. Blazers open Summer League on Thursday. Play Thursday and Saturday this week of Summer League. First weekend of Summer League. It's too late for you to make this trip, but if you ever are planning to go to Summer League, always go the first weekend. The first weekend is so darn fun. Um, And this first weekend for the Blazers, absolutely a ton of fun. Later in the week... Not as fun to be at Summer League for a variety of reasons, but this first weekend is going to be a ton of fun. So uh, we're going to talk a bunch of Summer League stuff and uh, preview the Summer League matchups and talk about what we need to see from the youngsters, from Blazers' young core heading into Summer League. We'll do that later in the week. We'll keep our eye on free agency stuff. I'll try to nail down a couple guests and we'll talk about the Blazers' new parts. We will watch the seismic shifts and when they come, we will... We will be here to talk about how the fault lines have changed. So come back five days a week, available wherever you get podcasts. Make it your first listen every day. Tell your friends to do the same. Appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.